0: Hey Jen, want to talk about suggestions for premarital dating and engagement?
1: Are you suggesting that I get a do-over?
0: Great! Today we're going to offer some general advice and suggestions for couples who are not yet married. Let's do it! (laughs) To the Intimate Covenant Podcast, where we believe the Bible and great married sex both belong on your kitchen table. That's right, we're talking about holy, covenant-bound, intimate relationships with hot sex.
1: We're Matt and Jen, founders of Intimate Covenant. We offer biblical teaching and resources to help married couples achieve a fuller relationship and an extraordinary sex life. For more information, visit our website. IntimateCovenant.com.
0: Welcome, friends.
1: Welcome. We are glad you are joining us here in the month of December.
0: Time flies.
1: It does. And we know that this month is a month of a lot of holiday chaos, which yes. can be good, right? Yes. You have a lot of family time hopefully coming up, and maybe you've already spent that family time together during Thanksgiving. We got to enjoy family time yes. and yes. some time away. Um but it can be also a time of a whole lot of chaos. So we've been putting out a few episodes to hopefully help you manage that chaos. Um,
0: L- and- lots of people and lots of things and events vying for your time and attention. And yes, we're just one of them here <laughs> That's with the, right. the Covenant Podcast. <laughs> um, so. In the midst of all of that chaos, we thought it would be a great time to introduce uh, our uh, Patreon.
1: Yeah, it <laughs> wasn't really our intent to <laughs> uh, throw this out in the middle of all of the holiday chaos, but we are now Patreon members, and you can support us through Patreon.
0: Yeah, so the way that you do that, if, if you're interested, is uh, go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Intimate Covenant, uh, and that will get us get you to our page. There are a couple of different levels of subscription. Uh, mm-hmm. As little as five dollars a month, you can really make a huge difference.
1: Right, that's uh, cheaper than a us. cup of coffee, but it could be
0: yeah. Think supporting as, us, think of it as coffee with Matt and Jen every. I month. love
1: <laughs> it. I love it. We would love to do coffee with it with all of you all, but obviously. Most of our listeners know what Patreon is because they're not living under a rock, right? But this is a way for you all to show support to us financially um, and help us continue this mission that that we're on.
0: Yeah, it makes a big difference. Uh, Some of the things that we... Um, use that income for is to upgrade our recording and broadcasting equipment, Yeah, um, including we're working on s- some new video productions. Yep, um, Looking forward to getting those things out hopefully in the next month or two. Some video courses that you'll be able to take and yes. um, walk you through L- some important Lots things. of
1: people have said to us lately, hey, do you guys have any kind of curriculum that could be used um, for churches or small groups? And the answer is we would love to. And we're working on it, but we need y'all's support to make that yes. happen. And so um supporting us financially every month would, would provide some funds for us to be able to buy that equipment, upgrade that equipment. Yeah. But also things like just regular website hosting and maintenance and yeah. podcast hosting and distribution. Yeah, this there's, all there's monthly costs charges monthly. And, mm-hmm. and
0: that's not free to us and we yeah, certainly want to keep this podcast free. Uh, but your support can help us do that in a way that's that's more affordable. Right. Uh, and then, of course, we, we certainly want to be able to use funds that, that are donated to us to help provide scholarships um, uh, right. for deserving couples, whether that's scholarships to live events that we mm-hmm. ha- that we have or uh, – and especially for private coaching opportunities. So that many couples just don't have the resources to invest in their marriage uh, like they want to, and, and so your support can help us – able to provide that to them.
1: Right. So again, go to patreon.com slash Intimate Covenant and you'll see us there.
0: Yeah. And if you're not ready for a monthly commitment, go to our website, IntimateCovenant.com slash donate. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is a way that you can maybe just make a one-time donation. Maybe you want to give Jen a Christmas gift. Um, (laughs) That would be great. uh, And we would certainly be That's right. uh, Or or maybe,
1: uh, you know, Matt, a Christmas gift where you can Calm down, his beard hair, and you know, like, yeah, we'll we'll use that in a great your, way. Your donations will
0: not be used in the care and maintenance of my beard. I can I'm you.
1: staring at the man with a crazy beard right now. So there you go. All right. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different than yeah. what we've done so far.
0: We're we're departing from our normal targeted audience of married couples, specifically. Although, and and really, kind of what we're looking at is. Maybe the Mm -hmm. next two or three episodes, kind of gearing those toward the non-married folks.
1: Yeah, we were recently told, hey, y'all should do a podcast for single people. And I believe my exact words were no. (laughs) (laughs) But we do hear a lot that, you know, um, there's a lot of advice that needs to be given for you know, single people, especially those who are getting close to marriage. Yes. Um, so these episodes are are going to be geared towards them. Provide some pre- premarital advice and even some honeymoon yeah. advice.
0: And and I'll be you know front I, I, these these uh, episodes are geared towards non married folks. But I, I would suggest even if you are married that these episodes. Are likely to be helpful to you. Some of the topics and the suggestions that we're going to be offering are probably still relevant to your relationship, regardless of how long you've been married, whether that's a day or a decade. Um, And and all of us know couples who are dating, who are engaged or have been recently married. And so We want you, even if you've been married for a decade, we want you to be able to offer helpful advice to these young couples and new couples.
1: We know of several couples who have just recently got engaged. I mean, spring is the time for weddings, right? And so... That generally means engagements are happening around the month of November and December, lots of them. So, we probably, uh, we know of couples, you probably know of couples, and we want you to be able to offer the advice that really is helpful to Mm -hmm. them. Um, So, we're asking you all to take a listen to these episodes, but then share these episodes with Mm -hmm. your non-married friends um, and kind of spread this news. All right, so... Premarital advice is our topic for today. Um, so, obviously, if you're about to get married, you have been through a stage of dating. Uh,
0: at least, most commonly in the United States. Uh, yes, don't know about our international <laughs> listeners, where uh, arranged marriages are maybe more popular. But uh, at least in the, in the culture that uh, I'm familiar with, we date.
1: Right, and, and so we want to talk first about just some boundaries that need to be in place when it comes to dating
0: yeah I, I think one of the most important concepts about dating that is really grossly misunderstood by most of our society even in the church is that dating is for gaining clarity and not intimacy uh, and and that language is I'll be Front with you about this, that language comes from a great book called "Not Yet Married," written mm-hmm. by Marshall Siegel, which I cannot recommend enough.
1: Excellent for book.
0: parents and for for young young folks who are in that process of dating. Um, it's a great book, and he uses language in that book about again gaining clarity from the dating process rather than intimacy. And so,
1: explain what that means, so, because on the surface, that sounds a little confusing.
0: Sure. So. The the dating process is for gaining clarity, meaning that it's a time to be learning as much as possible about myself and about this other person that I'm intending to Mm -hmm. pursue. About their character and who they are as a person. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of what we often pursue in dating relationships is the pursuit of intimacy.
1: Like we're pursuing the closeness of our relationship, not do I know myself and do I know this person, but how close can I become to this yes. person before marriage? And,
0: as long, and that process of intimacy is about seeking pleasurable experiences and emotional bonds and spiritual bonds and even physical bonds. Right. Um, we
1: we overfocus on the bonding when really we should be focusing on the knowing of knowledge yeah, of one another. Well said. Yes,
0: exactly. We overfocus on the bonding. I think that's the That's the mistake that we make because that bonding experience, while that's pleasurable and that's fun and that's nice and that makes me feel good about myself, uh, that also really obscures my ability to make rational judgments about this other person.
1: Right, because the side effect of that bonding should be infatuation, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's going to cloud everything, which is great. In the security of a covenant. Yeah, intimacy that, is
0: great, and that's, that's the point. The point, yeah, and, yeah. But intimacy is safest when it's discovered within that covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, because within that covenant, you have the protection of being willing and able to disassociate yourself from this person's faults and flaws.
1: Right, you you want, especially in those early days, some of that infatuation to be clouding you when you wake up and realize I am married to this person and they are not quite
0: perfect. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But what that means is that there are definitely some conversations and definitely some activities that are just not appropriate for the unwed.
1: Right, because these conversations or activities are designed to make you increase your intimacy with this person. Mm -hmm. And that's going to put you in a place that you're not there yet in your relationship. There's a
0: depth of spiritual and emotional intimacy that is just simply not intended for those that are outside of a covenant relationship.
1: Absolutely. I mean, God has a beautiful plan for deep emotional, spiritual, and physical connection within covenant marriages. Mm -hmm. Um, But we kind of put the cart before the horse and we encourage spiritual... It's like we all know, okay, well, there's physical intimacy that shouldn't happen outside of marriage, but we never stop to consider... Is there boundaries when it comes to emotional and spiritual intimacy? Right,
0: right. So I, I think it's important. It's essential. It's crucial that you recognize that your goal in dating is to assess yourself mm-hmm. and to be able to assess your, uh, your partner or your, your right. uh, significant other, as it were. Right. I mean... The goal is not yeah. to be entertained. The goal of dating is not to soothe your loneliness. The goal in dating is not to meet your needs. Yeah. Whatever that might mean. Um, And so I think, again, without getting too far into this and maybe look for our series at some point on, on dating. <laughs> dating, but um, th- I think what we're saying is you need to establish some boundaries. Yes. And those not, boundaries, not just physical and sexual boundaries.
1: Absolutely. I was going to say those boundaries need to be emotionally and spiritually too, because all of those boundaries are going to help you be able to focus on the incredibly important purpose of finding a spouse and seeking clarity in that person Not intimacy. Exactly.
0: Um, Another great tool, another really important tool that I think is overlooked in a lot of cases is premarital counseling. Yes. Uh, I will tell you that this premarital counseling is an invaluable investment in your relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, study after study overwhelmingly demonstrates that couples who get premarital counseling – have much higher rates of marital satisfaction when they do eventually get married mm-hmm. and much lower rates of divorce.
1: Right, because premarital counseling is meant to give you some tools to be able to handle the marriage, marriage relationship. But here's how it most often goes a couple gets engaged, they start planning the wedding immediately, right? We gotta get the dress, gotta get the venue, gotta get the date. All of that gets set and announced. And then a couple of weeks before the actual wedding date, it's like, Oh, we should get in a couple of sessions of premarital counseling,
0: or, or the preacher finally insists that they get together and meet, um, and, and so uh, and and by that time the budget for the wedding is blown. They're already <laughs> over budget, and so right. no one's willing to invest any kind of financial investment or time investment, right? Getting because uh, it's all gone by the you know when we're talking about doing this a couple of weeks before the wedding.
1: Exactly, a couple of weeks before the wedding, you simply don't have time to be meeting with somebody sure. for right. premarital very often if, if it hasn't been a priority. So we're kind of out there in the fact that we strongly recommend that there should be at least one to two sessions of premarital counseling before the engagement even happens. Before right. there's a ring on it, there should be a couple of sessions of premarital counseling. Now, I know
0: that sounds absolutely ludicrous or crazy, and most people aren't recommending that or or advocating for that. But the reason is that once you're engaged, you are going to have a very difficult time being realistic and honest in assessing yourself and in assessing your fiance.
1: Right. And it's very unlikely that you're going to make a difficult decision to break off an engagement after it happens. Yeah.
0: Once you buy the dress, once you buy the cake, once you've put down that non-refundable deposit on the venue, most people are not going to back out. Right. And if you haven't had and been forced to have very serious conversations about... Each other and about the relationship dynamics, then it's too late to make that assessment a week before the wedding. Right. For most people, it doesn't matter what those conversations are. You're not going to be willing to be honest with yourself.
1: Uh, Because here's the truth of the matter: an engagement should never be a surprise. That's right. Now you might surprise the be surprised in the actual time that the ring is pulled out of the box and he goes down on his knees. But there should never be a time where you're like, oh, I hadn't even thought about marriage. Yeah, let's do that. That's not happening. Right. So these conversations that should be happening prior to engagement need to be focused on helping to identify any red flags in your relationship dynamics or expectations that might lead, might be a reason for either of you to hesitate before making that serious commitment. This is the very specific time where you are willing to consider, is this person the person I want to serve for the rest of my life? Are their burdens the burdens I am willing to pick up for the rest of my life?
0: Exactly. So we're strongly recommending uh, at least a meeting and talking to someone who is experienced with this and capable of guiding those kinds of um self-reflective conversations and the mm-hmm. and the conversations within the real couple to make sure that you're making a decision that you can live with and making the right decision for you and your future right now then closer to your wedding the, there are some guided conversations that you need to have uh, and maybe even some instruction about relationship skills like communication and dealing with conflict, things like that. Those kind right. of guided conversations are what we typically think about when we talk about premarital counseling. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We, we kind of miss that beginning conversation that we're encouraging. But yeah, then closer to the wedding, there should be those. And then really a few weeks prior to the wedding is when you should have some guided conversations about sexual expectations surrounding the honeymoon and, and your entire married life and your yeah. sexual union.
0: Yeah. Now, You know, many preachers, maybe most preachers, offer premarital counseling. And there are many preachers which, I I think, to their credit, insist on meeting with a couple if the preacher is the one that's performing the ceremony. Right. We think that's good. We think that's great. Because, again, most couples are not getting premarital advice at all. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: anything is better than nothing in most cases, unless it's bad advice, I suppose. But (laughs) um, assuming that most preachers are doing a good job with this, um, I think that's a great idea, and I certainly am not discouraging that. But I, I would also caution that being an evangelist or being a Bible scholar does not necessarily make one an effective counselor right. or m- automatically qualify someone to be equipped to offer relationship advice. Right. The, the role of a premarital spiritual counselor I would suggest is maybe better suited for those who are shepherds or elders in your congregation Mm -hmm. that may individual results may vary. Right. But that's the role of a shepherd. That's their job. That's what they are intended to be. A preacher is intended to be a teacher and that doesn't necessarily make them a good counselor. So maybe we've assigned this role to the wrong people, um, and, and given preachers more than what they are qualified or capable of doing. Um, You know, most preachers are are probably quite capable of presenting a biblical perspective and offering spiritual guidelines for marriage Mm -hmm. and demonstrating in Scripture the the biblical principles that are important for um, marriage itself. But many, and I would probably say most, are not trained to ask the kinds of questions that couples need to be confronting before they are irreversibly committed to one another.
1: Right. I mean, most just simply don't have the training or the experience to guide these conversations. And that's, that's not a failure on their part. No, that's just,
0: it's not their job. It's not their
1: job. We, we have kind of assigned to evangelist a big job. That's not necessarily who they're meant to be.
0: Exactly. So even if your preacher insists on meeting with you, and that would be great if they do, Absolutely. that may not be sufficient right. in terms of the premarital counseling. Um, one thing, though, that a preacher could help you do and maybe begin and start this conversation for you is to confirm that you both have the same biblical view of marriage.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you've got to recognize that just because you're willing to worship in the same building does not mean that you have the same view of marriage, exactly. especially when it comes to what the purpose of marriage is, what the roles of husband and wife mm-hmm. are supposed to be.
0: Exactly. I mean, you are you are currently worshiping, I'm sure, in a congregation with all different kinds of marriages and all different kinds of perspectives on what marriage should or should not be. And so... You, just because you're willing to go to church together doesn't mean that you have the same ideas about what marriage is going to look like. Right. You, you inevitably have different expectations.
1: Right. And there's going to be a lot of problems if one of you views marriage as being merely transactional, um, but the other is expecting a very deep and intimate relationship that grows throughout your life. I mean, right. there are plenty of marriages that their goal is to raise children and get to heaven. Mm-hmm. And that's how they view their marriage. Um there are other people who want that deep, intimate relationship of knowing and being known. If those two people are married to each other, there's going to be a lot of conflict absolutely. there.
0: yeah. You know? Just because you found a, quote, Christian to marry does not mean that you have the same perspective.
1: Absolutely. And and I think the other thing is considering, you know, whether or not you have the same expectations for the roles that you're going to have in your marriage. I mean, what does it mean to you that the husband is the provider and the wife is going to be the homemaker? I mean, what will that specifically look like in your home? Yeah, it's you, easy
0: to say those things because those are biblical ideas and those are, are phrases that are used in Scripture. It's easy to say those ideas that, mm-hmm. oh, yes, in, in my marriage, the husband's going to be the provider and the wife is going to be the homemaker. But what, what does that actually look like? Does What, is that, mm-hmm. what does that mean in terms of, Who's going to work? Who's having a career? Who's responsible for um, the, the different roles and re- and and. Uh and Mm -hmm. things that are going to have to take place in your relationship.
1: And your family of origin, the family you grew up in, will largely be determining how you view these roles. And you didn't grow up in the same home, so you're going to have different expectations. Absolutely, You've got to be having those conversations. And so, yeah, part of of this needs to be confirming that you do have the same biblical view of marriage. Um, But I think then there's some other stuff that, you know, you just need to know about your future spouse. And I would say, again, these are conversations you've got to be having prior to that engagement.
0: Absolutely. Again, and some of these conversations you and some of this information you will naturally come to know in the course of your dating process. Mm-hmm. But some of these questions you may not think to ask. Some of these questions you may not be able to fully see the the big scope of, of how these questions need to be addressed and how they need to be confronted. Uh, but one, I mean, something really important that you need to be able to see are the the character strengths and weaknesses of this person that you are planning to be committed to.
1: And I guarantee you there are weaknesses to this person. (laughs) And if you cannot list weaknesses and faults of this person that you're considering, then you're not ready to commit to them because you are still very blinded by infatuation if you view this person as perfect.
0: Yeah, If, if they don't have weaknesses... Uh, you're not looking hard enough. Right. Uh, even I have weaknesses. So, I'm told. <laughs> even you.
1: <laughs> right. So, you've got to be willing to consider this person in a way that sees them as the whole person mm-hmm. that they are. And and really, within that, you've got to learn to to look at even personality differences. I mean, your personality is in large part who you are, and that doesn't change much over right. the course of your life. Right. And so, You've got to be able to view this person's personality in light of your own personality. and
0: how is that going to work together?
1: Absolutely. So so if you're someone who's a relatively assertive person and you're considering marrying someone who is an extremely passive person, there's likely going to be some points of conflict that happen there. There are going to be
0: points of conflict there. And it's not that being passive or assertive is right or wrong – but you, have, you should recognize that, acknowledge that, and be able then to predict where your conflicts are going to occur. Right. Uh, the, another example, I mean, if, if you are a very structured and organized person, but your, your fiance is, is, is uh, more spontaneous, um, again, neither one of those things is right or wrong, but you need to understand that so that mm-hmm. you can see and predict where your points of conflict are going to be. And understand then how can you mitigate that right. in, in your relationship and how you approach one another, how you deal with one another.
1: Right. Because if you've noticed that in dating, I can guarantee it will be fifty to- 50 billion times amplified in your marriage oh, over the course of your marriage. And this person is not going to change the core of who they are. So make sure you're willing to say, yes, I can work with that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, and in that process, then... Um, you, you've got to be sure that you each possess effective communication tools, mm-hmm. such as being able to assert, uh, and, and have your voice heard, mm-hmm. um, being a good listener and making sure that you are hearing your, your partner, having, um, skills that help to resolve conflict or at least de-escalate conflict. Um, if, if you don't possess those tools or your partner does not possess those tools, um, I, you know, then that that could be a red flag that or at least that's a place where you need to get some training. Right. Um, And And, and that's
1: where good premarital counseling should come in. Exactly. And helping identify these character strengths and weaknesses between the two of you and giving you tools to to start managing that.
0: Or at Um, least the the toolbox. Yes. Uh, And obviously, that's something that you're going to build on. No one no one is a perfect uh, communicator when they're 20 or whatever age mm-hmm. people get married, that is something that you can and should grow throughout your lifetime. But if you don't even know where the toolbox is, or, or if your, your partner is not effective there, you're going to have some problems.
1: I think another place where there needs to be some very guided and specific conversation um, as you're considering marrying this person is whether or not there is any history of trauma or abuse. Yeah, you,
0: you need to know. If if your spouse has had any history of trauma or abuse, not that that's a deal breaker.
1: No, but
0: but, you... But that's information that you need to know.
1: Because you are going to be bearing the burden of that and the implications of that throughout the rest of your marriage to this person. And and
0: there are consequences, even if it's something that they have, for the most part, dealt with. Mm -hmm. There are still consequences to the fact that they have suffered significant trauma or abuse.
1: Right. And we're talking whether that's emotional, physical, or sexual abuse. And so a question that you need to know is, has there been any counseling done to address this issue? And if not, why not? Mm -hmm. Um, You need to know, does this trauma still cause anxiety or pain for, Mm -hmm. for this person? And what are the ramifications of that? Yeah.
0: Um, you know, and I would say, even if, if you're the one that has suffered the trauma or abuse, Mm -hmm. you need to be asking, does this still cause trauma? Have I had counseling? Why or why not? Um, and and I, I would strongly recommend if that is a part of your past, you need to, to work with someone to help you address that prior to getting married. You owe that to your spouse and to yourself to make sure that you have a good handle on those things and that you have the emotional tools to be able to address that in the future.
1: Right, and, and I mean, sp- speaking personally, this is an area that could have been so much better for us. I mean, mm-hmm. we did enter into marriage with abuse in my in my history and in, in my past. And while I had been open with you about that, I had not gotten the counseling I needed. And so there were 19 years of our marriage that... that Suffered because of that. Um, So you know, this is a personal plea from me to to you that do not think that getting married solves that trauma. It doesn't, and and it is
0: it will amplify it.
1: It will. And I get, you know, if if I could have anything, I think I would want to just erase that part of my path, um, of my past, because. It doesn't ever go away. It is always a part of my story, mm-hmm. and it is always going to manifest itself within yeah. my life. And that's the bitter truth of abuse and of trauma of that sort. But if you enter into marriage with a healthier handle on that, it will just make things so much easier. Oh, yeah, so-
0: because it's going to manifest in your life. Mm-hmm. Um in places, especially surrounding big events, yeah. big changes, it's going to manifest and be a, be present itself as a problem mm-hmm. um, in ways that you will not expect and right. at times that you will not expect. And so, again, if you haven't prepared yourself for that, um, that can be quite a, a challenge for you. And then, especially if you're talking about this within the context of a new marriage, that places mm-hmm. it a tremendous amount of strain on that new marriage. And again, that's just if, not if fair you to don't your have
1: tools to deal with yeah. it. So yeah, some counseling to address that, um, and even considering then you know working with a professional counselor to address your trauma, um, your abuse, but then bringing in this person into those sessions so that you can talk about it together mm-hmm. with that trained professional. Um, I, I just can't tell you loud enough how important that would be um, and how much I wish that had been part of our story yeah, very that, early on. This,
0: that attitude of, ah, I got this. It's no big deal. It was a long time ago. That that just doesn't work because no, it, it doesn't go away.
1: It doesn't. I think another thing that really uh, has to be disclosed to one another is your sexual history um, within your, your own story mm-hmm. so far. Um, and that includes even pornography, um, whether or not you have at any point been bonded to pornography mm-hmm. um, and what implications that has. I mean, the vast majority of young people today that are considering marriage have been exposed to pornography, whether they chose to or not, whether they were ever addicted or not. It is part of almost everyone's story, well,
0: yeah, I mean, and just you need to be open about speaking, that. Statistically you, you, speaking, you can't deny that the vast majority of young people not only have been exposed— but are under some some degree of bondage. They use pornography on a regular basis.
1: And so you need to have done some things to help stop that bondage, understand where the source of that is coming from. Um, You've got to be open with the person that's considering marrying you as to how much of a problem pornography has been. And do not think that, okay, but once I get to start having sex, I won't want to look at pornography again. That's not how, it, not works. how it works.
0: Uh, and so, if, once you're in bondage, you're in bondage unless you are doing something actively to uh, to alleviate that and to so free yourself from. If it.
1: If you're considering marrying someone who does say yes, I have viewed pornography, your next question needs to be, and what are you doing to stop it? And if and, their and answer,
0: who, and who is holding yes. you accountable?
1: Right, because if their answer is, well, I've just chosen to stop looking at it, that's not enough. No, it's not. It's not how it works. Um, Another thing that you need to be discussing is what your past sexual experience is, whether that's between the two of you or with someone before you. And we're not just talking, did you have intercourse with someone? You need to be open with what have you done with somebody else? Mm -hmm. Um, Because as we've said all along, um, and if people are listening that haven't listened to all of our podcasts, we'll just frame it this way, that sex is not just intercourse. Sex is any time you have chosen to share your sexual energy with another person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, think of it this way. If I, as a married woman, decided to just kiss another man, how would that be viewed by you, Matt? <laughs>
0: that 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 is a betrayal, and that is sexual betrayal.
1: Because it is sexual. Yes, exactly. So, we have to broaden out our definition of sex, and therefore understand that Every sexual experience has an implication to it, mm-hmm. and you've got to be willing to share with someone this is what I've done. Now, be wise in the details of what you do and don't share. This is again where someone helping guide this conversation would be very important. Yeah,
0: and it's again, it's not that just because you have a sexual past that that makes you unqualified to be a new spouse, no, Marie. but it is. It is uh, absolutely in fairness and and right that your future spouse sh- should know what your sexual history is. Right. Um, that's just the way that it needs to be because there are some situations where that is going to create some conflicts that need to come to light mm-hmm. before you decide to get married.
1: And again, the point of all of this information is trying to understand this person's past, this person's history, their bu- their burdens— and evaluate: Am I willing to pick that up mm-hmm. for the rest of my life and Absolutely. walk with it? Yeah. And I think one other place um, would be family history. You need to be having conversations about your families of origin and what you have grown up with. Are there is there any divorce that has happened within your family? And mm-hmm. um, if so, what does that look like? And and you know, again, yeah, well, hopefully what, you've had these conversations, yeah. but
0: and hopefully have, you've met the, the in-laws. <laughs> yes. uh, to be, but you know, you need to have a good idea what is this what is this future in-law family even like are they close are mm-hmm. they distant from one another are they you know flexible are they uptight what what is what is this dynamic and is this something that you're willing to live with because no family is perfect right, right. and you need to know what you are getting into
1: absolutely you are marrying the family as much as you want to in your cloud of infatuation think I'm just so in love with this person. It really doesn't matter how crazy their mother is. Not that I married a person with a crazy no, mother. But it, just it, making that clear.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but, but it, it does matter. It
1: does matter because you are marrying that family. Mm-hmm. And so you have to I, identify where are the potential points of conflict yeah, going to come and from. No matter
0: it. how much you love this person or no matter how much they love you, that will not be enough to avoid the influence and the consequences of your, each other's families. Mm-hmm. So you just, you need to know who they are, how they work, and you need, need to consider, is this a family I'm willing to be a part of? Right. Am I willing to tie myself to this family?
1: Right. And, and then you need to also, I think one other place would be to consider The financial situation that you're going to be walking into. I mean, how much debt does this person have and how will that affect your marriage?
0: In short, how much is this marriage going to cost me?
1: (laughs) That's right. But really considering... (laughs) How much
0: money am I losing by marrying this person? Just up front, just starting out.
1: That sounds so coarse and callous, but yeah. (laughs) But also just considering how does this person interact with money? I mean, are they a saver or are they a spender? Are they comfortable with, you know, am I comfortable with how they handle money? Uh, don't just ignore if you're, if you're dating someone and you see them constantly spending money and that bothers you. Do not ignore that because yeah. that will be a thousand times worse when you get married.
0: Absolutely. I mean again, it's not a it's not a problem, it's not a sin or it's not wrong to be a saver or a spender. Mm-hmm. But you need to be comfortable with how this person handles the money because that is going to be your money too when that they are saving or spending. And if they're a tightwad and you just can't <laughs> you that drives you nuts, that's going to drive you nuts forever. Right. If they're blowing all their money on frivolous things and you don't like that, that's going to, that's not going to change just because you get married. Just because you get married doesn't mean that you automatically get to control all the money.
1: Right. And are they generous? Are they a generous person with their resources, but, but especially even with their time, you know, are they, do they use money to simply focus on themselves? Or do they put others first when they're considering, you know, they may be someone who spends a lot of money on other people. Sure. That's different than someone who spends a lot of money on things, yeah. Yeah. but you've got to have all these conversations.
0: This is a lot of, a com- lot of information and, and, you know obviously in a 40 minute episode we can't cover every <laughs> possible topic but I hope we've hit kind of the highlights. I would suggest there there's several resources and I'm gonna link to these in the show notes so that um, you can find these pretty easily There's uh, at least four books that we would really strongly recommend to all, mm-hmm. all unmarried mm-hmm. um, individuals. Yes.
1: Yeah, um, whether you're engaged or not, all four of these books will greatly help you.
0: But one, one in particular that's really focused on engaged couples is this book, Nine Essential Conversations Before You Say I Do. Mm-hmm. It's written by Gary Thomas. It was very recently updated. It's an excellent book. And again, these are the conversations that if your premarital counselor is not going through these conversations with you. This book is set up so that you can do these as a couple. Mm -hmm. You can have these conversations. Um, And really it's even helpful if you have a mentor who just needs better material, or if you are a mentor Mm -hmm. or a preacher or a counselor who needs sort of a framework for these conversations, that's what this book is for. It, It will help guide you Guide others through these conversations,
1: right? And and I I think another book that we recommended earlier in the podcast, um, "Not Yet Married" by Marshall Siegel, This is a book that every young person should be reading. That, this yes. book is great. I mean, if you're if you're engaged, it's still a great book. But this book is really great. For anybody who's of age to start dating, to Mm -hmm. give yourself a perspective of how you should go about approaching dating, what the purpose of it is, and how to do so in a holy and
0: healthy way. I think that it's really written from a perspective of being guided by biblical principles rather than just simply accepting what society has presented to us is Mm -hmm. the way that we should be dating.
1: A a third book would be Sacred Search, also by Gary Thomas. This one I think is so good at helping you understand the different types of marriages out there. Mm. A great book, again, to read um, as you're even considering engagement, reading this together, because it will really open your eyes to What have I been exposed to in my family of origin? What kind of marriage does my parents have or my grandparents or other people I know? It kind of categorizes different relationships in a way that helps you see what you've been exposed to and what you want. And so it's a great book to help you kind of hone in on that type of marriage that you would be
0: looking for. Sure. So again, Sacred Search by Gary Thomas, another great book uh, for anyone who is entering that that dating age, and then two books uh, by Sheila Gregoire and her husband. Um, uh, one is "Good Girls' Guide to Great Sex." The other one is "A Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex." Mm-hmm. Um, these are books written specifically about the sexual relationship, how to um, overcome some of the barriers to a great sexual relationship, and how to be a a good and loving lover. And, and
1: I think my favorite really think about these books is that they're going to, pre- it presents the sexual union in light of the spiritual union yes. that sex is meant to be in yeah. marriage. And so, fantastic books. If you know an engaged girl, grab her, grab this book, sit down with her and read through this with her. Um, or an engaged guy. But, and, now, and now there's a guy's version of it. So, yeah, um, great books. I'd really recommend those books. When you're engaged and very close to your wedding, or um, even
0: newly married, but yeah, yeah. At, at least in light of this conversation. They have some
1: great conversations even within the books of practicality
0: of wedding night, mm-hmm. um, which. Speaking of, we're gonna cover next episode. Yep, looking forward to that conversation about uh, how to have a great honeymoon and some uh, honeymoon tips. All right, Matt, give us our wrap up. First of all choosing your spouse is one of the most important and consequential decisions that one will ever make and the way that we are dating will play an important part of getting this right secondly premarital counseling both before and after the engagement is crucially important as an investment in your future relationship and finally to best assess a potential spouse You need to be aware and you need to be studying their character weaknesses, whether there's a history of trauma, whether there is sexual history, their family of origin origin dynamics, and their financial situation.
1: Now it's time to grab your spouse or fiance and your Bible and head to your kitchen table to have the conversation about preparing for marriage. What are you going to do to purposefully and intentionally prepare for your marriage or help another couple to do so.
0: Thanks as always for subscribing and rating the podcast. Thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends. Thanks as always for your support and for your encouragement. Until next time, keep striving and don't settle. Thank you for listening. If you have something to add, we would invite your feedback, questions, and suggestions via our email, podcast at intimatecovenant.com. To submit anonymous questions and feedback, visit our website, IntimateCovenant.com backslash podcast. Click on the button, Contact the Podcast, for an anonymous submission form.
1: In addition to this podcast, Intimate Covenant offers group Bible studies, private couples coaching, premarital counseling, weekend seminars, and an annual marriage retreat. We would love to continue the conversation about God's plan for intimate marriage and holy sexuality with you and your friends.
0: If you're interested in bringing us to your church or small group, please contact us, podcast, at IntimateCovenant.com. May God continue to bless your marriage.